Well, a swift reversal of fortune today. Bond yields have started falling for change and big rises in U.S. equities. Well, why? Several reasons with it we'll cover off today. Some of it is to do with data from the United States. Some of it is U.K. politics still messing with markets. And some of it is month end. We are in Q4. All said and done. It is Tuesday, the 4th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, it's one of those days where seemingly it's good news, but it's bad news sitting behind it. Bond yields are falling quite a bit in many cases. Ten-year treasuries down 16 basis points, down 18 for German bonds. UK ten-year gilts down 13 basis points as well. Not uh, a lot of movement for Australian bonds, though. Ten years up just one basis point yesterday to 3.89%, although they have lost eight basis points on futures since then. A small fall in the US dollar. It's down 0.2% on the DXY. The pound has had a 0.9% gain, uh, that U-turn by the Chancellor might have helped there. No movement in the euro though. Aussie dollar is up 1.7%, up over 65 US cents. And US equities kicking off the fourth quarter well up at close. A 2.7% rise in the Dow, a 2.6% rise in the S&P 500, a 2.7% lift in the Nasdaq. Europe also up, but not as much. A 0.7% rise in the Eurostoxx 50 and a quarter percent lift in the FTSE 100. And oil, big rises there. 4.8% up for WTI. Brent up 4.2% at 88.70 a barrel. Uh, Tapas Strickland is with me today from NAB in Sydney. So, I, you know, Tapas, I thought there was only one direction for bond yields lately, but uh, today down just about everywhere and this big rise in equities why this sudden change in fortune today Uh, good morning phil a very risk positive night overnight and really driven by three factors and and those factors are the policy u-turn that has occurred in the uk we'll go through that in a few details but at least that's giving markets a bit of confidence that the uk government is reacting to the market reaction that we saw last week and also is reacting to the the polls as well that may discipline yeah, fiscal policy in, yeah. in the future. Yeah, we will come back to that. Yeah, number two. Uh, the second one is you had a weaker than expected US ISM manufacturing print and that weaker than expected print I think is in the class of bad news is good news mm. in the sense that if the data is going to start to deteriorate then maybe the Fed pulls away from hiking as, yeah. as aggressively yeah. as, as they are. Um, and the third one is, and we talk about this quite, quite often in explaining a lot of the market moves, is just market positioning. So last week a lot of bearish mm. news um, you look at the CFTC data for last Tuesday, and that suggested the um, aggregate bond futures short was at a fresh cyclical extreme. So it doesn't take too much in the way of positive news to see some pretty outsized market moves. And just right. finally, just... So just a new, to, quarter, new quarter, new quarter, not only a new month, it's a new quarter, of course, isn't it? Uh, definitely. And just finally, before we go into the details of all, all those things, uh, the United Nations... Um, uh, conference on trade and development came out of, with a report uh, saying that the Fed and other central banks should stop their aggressive rate hikes because it's uh, destabilizing the developing world. Um, so you're starting to get yeah. a little bit more in terms of the Fed needs to pivot, otherwise they're going to break something in the global economy narrative. And that's providing a little bit of change in story and, and nuance yeah, as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean, just, well, let's do, just not, not one eye ahead very quickly, first of all, because, I mean, there is that concern, isn't there, that they, that if they keep on pushing hard with interest rates, then we could see a global recession. Uh, and uh, that's not going to be great, obviously, for the developing world. 
but it's not great for anybody else either. And and that rising US dollar, obviously not helping the, the case either, is it? Oh, definitely. And within that UNCTAD report, there was just saying that it was estimated that a percentage rise in the Fed funds rate lowers economic output in uh, other rich countries outside of the US by 0.5% and economic output in poor countries by 0.8% over the subsequent three years. So uh, no surprises there why UNCTAD has come out with that report there. Uh, but in terms is the of Fed how... Going to listen to them? Uh, sorry, is Phil? the Fed going to listen to them though? I mean, it's nice to say this, but I mean, are they going to be that concerned? Uh, the Fed's probably not overly concerned at, at the moment. And the Fed's Barkin is the first Fed official uh, that was asked in response to that UNCTAD report. And he did say the strength in the dollar has the potential to spill over to other parts of the global economy. But at the end of the day, the US Fed is concentrated on the outlook for the US economy. So it would only be in the sense that if there's collateral damage from something breaking in other parts of the world, then the US Fed would start to pair back on the pace of increases mm. there. So something just worth watching, uh, especially in terms of developments that are going on offshore, just in regards to the potential spillovers it could have for US monetary policy going forward. So quasi Kwarteng in the UK is not out of the woods yet, is he? Because he's, he's done this massive U-turn in terms of uh, his top rate of tax, which uh, he's uh, he's decided he's going to, which he was going to abolish, and he's decided he's done a, a U-turn on that. But I mean, the markets weren't so concerned about that. That was just a small part of the overall spend, wasn't it? I think the big concern was that they were doing it all without the Office of Budget Responsibility. There was no one uh, crunching the numbers to find out whether it was justified or not. And I wonder whether, you know, Kwasi Kwarteng, I had a, a radio interview and he was asked, uh, you know, when are we going to see this growth? Because he was kept on pushing, you know, it's all growth, it's all growth, which obviously goes against what uh, the central bank is trying to do. And when pushed as to when that growth is going to happen, you know, he's not able to say it. So, I mean, that 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 uh, having that conviction in the numbers still isn't there. So I wonder whether even though we've seen some sort of, I mean, you know, two year uh, guilt yields, four and a half percent last week are down to four percent today. So there's definitely a movement, isn't there? But I wonder whether the market's going to stay convinced uh, until we, you know, and, uh, <laughs> until perhaps there's a complete U-turn uh, and he goes back to where they were. Uh, yes, that's right. So when you look at uh, that tax cut for the top tax bracket, I think it only costs or an estimated cost to the mm. budget of about $2 billion. And that's compared to um, financing costs of $72.4 billion for the rest of this financial year. So um, a yeah. really tiny uh, drop in, in the ocean in terms of, financing costs. But uh, the narrative really, at least as far as markets are concerned here, is that the UK government is listening to the market reaction and is moderating its policies accordingly. And there's a lot of talk as well about whether um, Prime Minister Liz Truss uh, was going to um, turn in regards to the polling. And it does seem like she has in some sense. And just worth noting that in both YouGov and Onesis that uh, the Labor government, uh, sorry, the Labor opposition, sorry, <laughs> is uh, 33 points ahead of the Tory government. Yeah. Um, so I think with, within that one, they say a week is a long time in politics. Um, if you still get polling like, like that in the next couple of weeks, then you're likely to see a few more policy U-turns as well. Yeah, all that laborious process of choosing another leader. They could be without a prime minister for a few more months, couldn't they? That would go down well. Uh, let's look at uh, those ISM numbers, because that was the, uh, that case of uh, bad news is good news. Uh, so the top line number for September is down from 52.8 to 50.9. I guess the, uh, you know, the sign of weakness was those new orders, which are really in contraction, aren't they? From 51.3 down to 47.1. And employment as well down from 54.2 down to 48.7 so uh yeah a weakness in orders 
and less employment. I mean, it's it's a bit sad for those people who aren't getting uh, getting jobs or losing their jobs, but this is exactly what the Fed wants to see, isn't it? Uh, definitely. And just two interesting observations out of the ISM manufacturing. So the new orders is at a 28-month low, while inventories yeah. actually rose to 55.5. And uh, we look at the um, new orders, less inventories, as a recession indicator in the US. And when you do that, uh, that indicator is at minus 8.4 and it's lower since the height of the pandemic. So um, at least according to that indicator, it would suggest that the US economy is going to go into recession. And that's NAB's call, a mild US recession in 2023. Um, and then the second point just worth noting is the prices paid index in the ISM survey uh, also dropped to a six month low to 51.7. Um, and I, I think that's that's quite important um, in the sense that that may be starting to pick up some of the indicators of inflation that suggest maybe inflation is starting to turn a little, little bit lower. And we also look at supply deliveries within the ISM manufacturing, and we create this thing what we call a Fed pressure index, which is basically the inflationary pressure in the US economy. And that index is now at its lowest level since March 2020. So at least on the good side of the economy, on the manufacturing side of the economy, it does look like those inflation pressures are easing. And I think that's going to put a little bit more pressure premium on the ISM services index on Wednesday and also on the payrolls report for the wages print just to see whether that's starting to spill over into the services side of the economy or not. Right. And we don't those PMI numbers in, in Europe, I mean, they, we, they were just the final numbers that were out yesterday and normally we wouldn't see them change uh, on the on the preliminary readings. But we've been seeing this quite a bit lately, downgraded in the final analysis. So for Germany, for example, manufacturing from 49.1, uh, it was 48.3 in the preliminary reads, but it's been revised down to 47 point eight and uh, we've seen that in a few places lately haven't we oh definitely and it does suggest that the european economy is going to go into recession if it's not already in recession yeah, the fact that they're having to downgrade them between one read and the next and uh, tell me very briefly about uh, credit suisse over the weekend as well uh, are they going to fall over i mean that this talk you I mean there's been a lot of uh, talk about this uh, on social media at the very least and the ceo has tried to step in to uh, provide reassurance but he seems like he provides reassurance as well as quasi quatangas uh, providing reassurance but uh, that they're talking about raising fresh equity and that's a bit spooky isn't it because it's not a good time when their share price is down so much to be to be trying to raise extra money oh no and uh, at one part of the overnight session the share price of credit suisse was down by around 12 percent but now mm. it's paired back most of those losses i think on the swiss market it's only down by one percent so it does look at a lot of those fees have been paired back out of, out of the market after the twitter sphere went into override um just worth noting that the capital position of, of the bank is very strong. I think it's got a 13.5% core equity T1 ratio there. So a lot of the way um, some market analysts are interpreting the kind of commentary around Credit Suisse and the market reaction is anticipating a fairly hefty um, um, equity raising to bolster the capital of, of the bank. So we've got the RBA this afternoon um, and a few hours before that, uh, home loans data for Australia and building permits and job ads. So uh, we get to see the influence that they've been having from what they've done before, uh, before they go ahead this time. But we're uh, expecting a uh, 50 basis point hike this time, aren't we? Which will take it to 2.85%. So is that justified? I mean, we've got 6.1% inflation compared with 
one and a quarter percent, which is where the ECB is currently. You know, and their inflation's at ten percent. Is the I mean, okay, we can look at uh, over the water at New Zealand, of course, uh, which are well ahead. Uh, but is it justified? Is the market happy at that? Well, the, the market at the moment is pricing a um, RBA terminal rate closer to four point two five percent in the middle of next year. Yeah. So it does suggest that the market at least is expecting the RBA to continue its its hike cycle. Um, Markets are more or less pricing a 50 basis point hike at this meeting, but uh, just given the pace of hikes, um, we do think the RBA will step down in that pace of hikes after today's meeting um, and at the November meeting at least raised by 20, 25 basis points. And I guess the key thing why we expect the RBA to raise by 50 basis points today is when you look at the macro data in Australia, nothing really is saying things are rolling over um, outside, of the ha- outside of the housing sector. So you look at the labour market, the unemployment rate is at 3.5%. Uh, retail sales are continue to grow strongly so nothing really to suggest that uh, the rate rises that, that we have seen are starting to dampen demand um, there are some delays between obviously when high rates start to be felt within um, say the household sector particularly in terms of mortgage repayments and those lags tend to be anywhere between three to say 12 months so um, you're likely to see an impact coming um, and so that's part of the reason why we expect the RBA to step down the pace of hikes after after today's meeting uh, but at least uh, it does suggest the RBA needs to get into restrictive territory and get into restrictive territory relatively quickly. So um, that's the reason why we expect them to raise to 2.85%. But has that the UN Conference on Trade and Development? Have they got a point? Is there anywhere in the world where we're seeing that uh, these uh, faster rate hikes are bringing inflation down? Because, I mean, they're struggling in New Zealand, aren't they? With interest rates at 3%, inflation at 7.3%. I mean, is there, is there a clear pattern anywhere that high rates are actually working yet? Well, it's, it's more the high rates are there to... Um, make sure inflation expectations don't rise and get inconsistent mm. with, with at target inflation. So I don't think there's any thought among central banks that hiking these rates as aggressively as they are is going to be the mechanism that um, is driving inflation lower by itself. Overwhelmingly, what they're hoping is that supply chains start to ease up, which we're starting to see in the US ISM manufacturing index. And when those pressures start yep. to alleviate, um, inflation expectations have not risen. And so that allows inflation to come back down. Um, some loosening up in the labor market would also help in that respect. And most central banks are forecasting unemployment to, to, uh, to rise um, in, um, as those rate hikes start to gain traction within their respective economies. You mentioned house prices. So we uh, big falls in house prices now. We're starting to see, aren't they, in, in Australia, 1.4% in, in in September, according to Core Logic. The last three months, uh, we've seen prices fall on an annualised basis, down 15.6%, the biggest fall in prices since 1980. But of course... You know, look at where we are compared to where we were before COVID, and uh, it's not quite such disastrous uh, result, is it? But uh, but uh, and you've talked about this a few times. You know, there's the whole wealth effect, isn't there? People will feel less well off uh, if they see house prices go down. So is that going to change their consumption behaviour? Oh, it, it should. And uh, when you look at those house prices, I think they're five point five percent down from their peak. And uh, notwithstanding that, yeah. dwelling prices in Australia are still nineteen point eight percent above their April twenty twenty yeah. pre-pandemic levels. <laughs> So still some way to go. Um, we, we still expect with those RBA rate hikes coming that um, you continue to get declines and we're forecasting a peak trough decline of around eight, 18%. Um, in terms of the wealth effects, um, it, it, sh- it should play out and it should be one of those mechanisms that helps align demand with, with uh, the constrained supply that we have at the moment. Um, and in regards to the outlook for inflation, the other part of 
that report that came out was in terms of rents. And uh, rents in Australia still continue to grow fairly strongly on on a monthly basis. And um, that will feed through to the official CPI figures with a lag. And so it's quite possible that inflation in Australia remains a little bit sticky as rental inflation rises. And uh, look, we haven't heard yet from OPEC Plus. They meet tomorrow, but... Uh Look what that is doing already to oil prices uh, with the expectation that uh, they're going to agree to a million barrels per day. And this is the first time they are meeting in person since COVID. So you assume that there's something pretty serious going to come out of this. They wouldn't go to all that effort unless they were going to uh, do something fairly profound. They want to try and get prices up over $90. The thing is, of course, I mean, they must realise if they push up prices too high, I mean, obviously they're concerned that uh, prices are falling because of demand because of the economic downturn. If they push prices too hard, they're just going to prolong that economic downturn. So we'd we'd hope they're going to be sensible about this and uh, find some sort of happy equilibrium, which, you know, what, between 90 and 110 or something like that? Would that be what they're aiming for? Uh, So it's it's unclear exactly what they'll be aiming for, but it does look like some of the headlines are that they're considering an oil output cut of more than a million barrels uh, per day on Wednesday. Um, and it, it does look like that $90 barrel of oil is their kind of non-negotiable red line in the sand. Um, the, uh, the the other aspect just worth noting in terms of the outlook for the oil prices, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine? And just worth noting, Ukrainian forces broke through some of the Russian lines in the southern Kurskan region, which is one of those regions that uh, Russia uh, now claims is part of um, Mother Russia. So, um, It'll be interesting exactly to see what Russia's reaction to that is, yes. just given Ukrainian forces are now on Russian soil according to the referendums that were recently passed. According to him and nobody else, exactly. Well, we've been talking a lot, haven't we, about how you know bad news is good news with those ISM numbers. That's a case of uh, good news is potentially bad news, isn't it? Uh, look, we have US factory orders today, also jolts the job openings in the US, plus, you know, whatever you turn the UK government does, uh, you know, what's the latest one going to be? Also, lots of uh, Fed speakers out today. And the ECB president, Christine Lagarde, is going to be talking to students today. I wonder if they'll teach her anything at all. Oh, maybe, <laughs> perhaps, maybe. <laughs> but I think I, I, I think the overwhelming um, data point just worth watching there is the UK. Uh, sorry, the US jolts figures. Um, they're expected to remain very elevated at eleven point one million from um, eleven point two million. And even if you were to get that decline, um, just given there's only six million unemployed people in the US, that would still mean there's one point eight job vacancies per unemployed person in the US. So it's still a very tight labour market. Um, if the labour market is still very tight, then the Fed has little choice but to keep hiking rates to dampen inflationary pressure and also to keep inflation expectations anchored as well. much to the angst of the UN Conference on Trade and Development. Uh, All right, we'll leave you there for now. Good to talk. Uh, Catch you again next time, Tapas. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, Cheers. And that's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow. See you then.